Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access, the podcast. I'm Mike Hancock, along with me, Kyle Davis, as we get you caught up on everything that has been going on with the Toronto Rock. And uh, we'll talk a little more NLL this week, possibly, too. But uh, we'll get to all that uh, shortly. Obviously, the Toronto Rock coming off a rather large 18-10 win over the Buffalo Bandits last week, Kyle. And uh, they don't get much sweeter than that when you beat the Bandits, especially like that at home in front of uh, a fairly lively crowd as well that we're into it, I think, start to finish. And there's not much to pick apart in this game let's face it 18 goals for and uh great goaltending performance but off the top your thoughts on the win yeah i thought it was a great win like you said anytime uh you can beat buffalo it's huge division rivalry but to to give it to them in the manner that they did that it makes it even sweeter i thought the uh the offense really turned it around from uh you know a lackluster performance the week before versus Rochester. And just looking down the list here, you know, two from Mikey McDonald, three from Brett Hickey, Turner Evans chipped in with one, two from Steph, two from Schreiber, three from Schreiber, two from Behrens, three from Littner. Very spread out. Everyone's chipping in. And, uh, you know, it showed with 18 on the board. It really truly does seem to be the recipe uh, for success. A lot of people talking about Saskatchewan's win over the weekend, and I think they had nine different goal scorers. When you think back to when the Rock beat Saskatchewan, it was 11 different goal scorers for the Rock. So when everybody's going, obviously, like Matt Sawyer said on the show here last week, teams are a lot tougher to defend when everybody's going. So um, I think that was definitely the case this past Friday. And uh, you mentioned just, you know, Steph LeBlanc, Tom Schreiber, two guys that stand out for sure on the score sheet. Nine points for Steph, 10 points for Schreiber, who this week has been getting a lot more ink as uh, U.S. Lacrosse Magazine and Neil Stevens wrote an article saying Tom Schreiber, he may not only be the best rookie in this league, but he may be emerging as one of the best players in the league as well. I want to get your thoughts on that as how much better can Tom Schreiber get? Because right now, You've gone from a guy who's really just started to pick up the box game in December, started December, end of November, and where he's come in such a short amount of time, he's 15th, 16th in the league in scoring right now. How much better can this guy get? Oh, I still think uh, he can get a lot better. Like he, For me personally, from watching him uh, in the preseason games here, you know, he was good. He was still learning his ways, um, he, but that was expected. Every game from from the start of those days, though, he has gotten better and just continues to amaze me. And we're only four games into the season here, but I don't see why that would change. You know, he's going to feel more comfortable as the season goes on. And you know, he had three goals there, and I thought he could have had a couple more crossbars there. And uh, you know, a couple more of those drop, you're getting like five goals performance. That'd be huge. And I think that he definitely has that in him, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch moving forward here. He's seeing the floor very well right now as well, I think. Uh, able to distribute the ball. Um, coming into this season with Rob Hellyer being injured, I think probably one of the biggest questions was who is going to handle the ball? You know, Who is going to be the guy with the ball on their stick all the time? And right now it looks like it's going to be Schreiber on that side with how much he's kind of distributing and playing in that role. And then you start to think, you know, Schreiber and Hellyer, I believe, are the same age. They're both 1992 birth years. This could be when Rob Hellier gets healthy to have Hellier and Schreiber over there and the speed that they bring, it could be pretty scary here for a while. If Schreiber continues to learn at this pace and stays committed to the box game. Oh, for sure. And what Robbie's done in this league speaks for its own and obviously a huge loss. Um, but like you said, with Tom coming in, they're both, both 92s are under the age of 24 
or 25 roughly, but still definitely lots of time left for, for their careers to evolve still. And yeah, Tom, I think he, like I said, just going to continue to get better. And you throw in a guy like Robbie on the right side with them, who knows, who knows the box game can make, you know, work well off each other. They build some chemistry. It could be a pretty lethal duel moving forward. And when we look at the other side of the ball, the rock defense, I think came through in a big way. Um, maybe a slight hiccup there late in the game, but at that point, um, I think this one was probably already put to bed really by the time Buffalo did kind of put in a couple of goals late. We'll maybe call it in garbage time, maybe not, but it was, uh, uh, you know, a few goals that came about at a time in the game when it did seem like it was all said and done, and a big part of that was Nick Rose, another amazing performance, and you look at the stats again, and he is now starting to separate himself from everybody else in the league, statistically speaking. His goals against average, 8.75, about two goals better than um, whoever's in second place, which I think is Matt Vince now. Um, it It's unbelievable what he's done here in the first month or so of the season. He's gone from, you know, being a goaltender of the year nominee on a team that didn't make the playoffs, which, first of all, was super impressive. And now... He's leading the league basically in the you know two important goaltending statistical categories, and looking like you know he is very very comfortable in that in that net right now. Oh, for sure. Like we mentioned, Schreiber growing uh, over the years, the past couple of years here. I think Rose has grown as well, and uh, it's very evident currently with the start to, that he's put up this season. Uh, you mentioned his stats being being the best in the two main goaltender categories. Uh, if the opponent's only scoring eight goals a game, roughly eight, nine goals a game, you're setting yourself up in, in a good position to, to pick up two points on any given night there. So I, I have no doubt that he's going to continue that moving forward, and I expect it this Saturday, or this Sunday in Calgary. So the Rock um, obviously making strides to uh, right the ship from a year ago when the team didn't make the playoffs, and right now through a month of the season in what looks like phenomenal shape here going into February and already getting a win, obviously, early in February. But this weekend, I think we kind of look at as a real test for this team. Going up against a team that's also 3-1, and one, can score goals. Frankie Shiliano is kind of starting to emerge as a pretty decent goaltender in this league, although doesn't have a huge resume. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is a young Toronto team that's going on the road really truly for the first time. I know they've played in Rochester and 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 been successful down there on the road, but this is a different kind of road trip where you've got legitimate travel involved. You've got, you know, you you're going to be potentially a little bit more out of your routine. You've got a time change to deal with as well. Um, an early afternoon game, 2 p.m. local time, 4 o'clock Eastern. Um, there's a lot of things to wrestle with here going into this game this weekend, including a pretty tough opponent. For sure. And it'll be uh, be interesting to see how, how a young team, like you mentioned, does handle that. I'm sure they'll lean to guys like, you know, Brody, Steph, who have been around the league, been through this before. Uh, personally, though, I think it's great. We're, you know, we're five games in. It's got It's gone very well so far. Or four games in. This is going to be the fifth game, sorry. It's gone very well so far. But even through you know my junior days or whatever I always look forward to to a bus trip whether it be to the you know Aquasosny or somewhere it was always just seemed like you and the guys got away for for a day or that weekend and you could kind of block everything else out in life and really really bond and get get to know each other and you know you pick up a win and you have a great flight home or or bus ride home and it it just adds to that experience so I'm, I'm assuming they're looking forward to it yeah I think as well I'm sure there's some of the younger guys who uh 
you know, we'll be obviously experiencing their first road trip of this uh, variety, we'll say, um, that we'll be looking forward to this as well and excited to play in another NHL rink as well in Calgary and a, and a great experience, great fan environment there too. So um, lots to look forward to this weekend. Uh, lots to still talk about on the show today. We've got uh, Brett Hickey will be joining us coming up uh, in just a couple of moments. We'll have the debut of a new segment later in the show. Are you buying or are you selling? We'll be looking at a few different things and uh, throwing those out there. And if we have time, we will get to short-term, long-term trade, but uh, we'll, we'll just see how things are going. We'll probably be able to get to it, a little bit of a variation on it this week, um, if we have time a little bit later on. But uh, right now we're going to take a short pause on the program, and then we're going to welcome in Brett Hickey, the only player in Toronto Rock history to ever score 50 goals in a season and he did it a couple of years ago and he's hoping that he can get back on that pace again this year so we'll take a short break here Toronto Rock Total Access we'll be back with Brett Hickey in a moment Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We're going to welcome our first guest of the show into the studio here, Brett Hickey. Brett, welcome to the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, so uh, you've had uh, obviously a pretty good start to the season, but you did also already have to endure another injury. And uh, it happened at practice, uh, I guess now about a month ago, right? Um what was going through your head? Because I, we really haven't talked too much publicly about what the injury was, and you can feel free to go into as much depth as you'd like to. But it, without letting the cat out of the bag here entirely, it was eerily similar to something that had happened to you a couple of years before. So, um, what was that that like? Honestly, just mentally, that happening, and what was immediate? I remember when you walked off the floor at practice. And I can remember you just saying, it doesn't feel as bad as last time. It doesn't feel like you were trying to convince yourself it's not going to be as bad. It's not going to be as bad. What, uh, which clearly it wasn't. Uh, so maybe just take us back to practice, what happened. And, again, you can go as far in, in depth as you'd like with uh, what happened. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, doing a shoot around before, before practice, doing a little horseshoe, jogged in to grab another ball, and a ball shot underneath of me. And it was just kind of a second either way and I probably wouldn't have stepped on it and I did and I couldn't move out of the way and rolled over on my on my foot and uh coaches just decided that it was and the docs decided that it was best to sit out that next game and we had the bye week coming up and we have a important stretch here ahead of us and with five uh, division games and six and six out of the six and uh that was where they they wanted me most and they said just rest up and you know be ready to go come uh that Rochester game but were you freaking out on the inside? I really was, yeah. <laughs> uh, TQ and uh, and Davey had to, you know, talk me off the ledge, so to speak, a few times just to kind of calm me down and, um, you know, just to kind of reassure me that it's not all all bad and uh, we'll do everything we can to uh, to get me back for that game and and we did and I was I was seeing you uh, one or the other every day uh, for about, uh, for about two weeks and, uh, then doing stuff on my own as well that they recommended and just to get, get back and, and ready to play, help the boys out. Now, in terms of, uh, overall preparation for this season, um, something I thought I noticed in the first game in Rochester, 
you just seemed a lot quicker, a lot faster. And I don't know if that's something that you worked on in the off season necessarily, but because I know by trade you're in the gym all the time anyways, but uh, something that uh, maybe you wanted to work on with your game was maybe increasing that uh, speed and quickness. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we had our exit meetings at the end of last season and uh, coaches and, and Jamie sat down with me and said, you know what, we want you to be a little faster. Uh, I want you to have a little bit more of that, that uh, quick first step and, uh, whether it was from the injury from the year before or not, um, they felt that I had lost that last year, and they want they want that was a big part of my game the year before, and uh, they wanted me to bring that back. And so me and uh, me and Sean Holmes uh, spent a lot of time uh, focusing on that, not necessarily the overall strength because uh, that's already there, but uh, focusing more on uh, being more explosive and, and a little bit quicker. Brett, uh, wanted to ask you here quickly. Um, you, you know, you had success in this league prior. 50 goal scorer there not too long ago. Uh, last year, personally, with injuries and for the team wise, it, it wasn't as good as year as everyone expected or wanted it to be. How important was it for you to uh, to get off to the hot start you are at? I know that you did mention the the small injury there, but 10 goals, six assists already in three games. Uh, personally, and for the team to get off to the start that they are off to now after last year. It's unbelievable. It's great for our confidence. Um, you know, we're, we're a young team, and, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected us to be where we're at. Internally, we, we had uh, we had the high expectations, but uh, externally, I don't think people expected us to be where we're at. And to be able to come out into th- to a 3-1 start is huge for a young team. Um, you know, keeps the, the room positive. Um, guys have had to go through some adversity, but... Uh, you know, so far, so to speak, knock on wood, not, not too much yet. Um, but, um, you know, it, it, it's huge for a young team to start off start off hot and uh, keeps the ball rolling. You're not chasing wins early in the season, which is nice. You're staying ahead of the game, and um, you can definitely see that uh, on the floor. For sure. And being an O guy, it's something me and Hammer have talked about on this show, uh, you know, first couple weeks here. Uh, first couple weeks of the season yourself and Steph LeBlanc both out if you could just touch base on some of the other younger guys the Americans that you know Mikey McDonald as well stepping in and kind of what they've done uh, to help right that ship when the injuries were were occurring early for Steph and yourself no I mean our, our young guys have been have stepped into huge roles uh, not even just the fact that me and Steph were hurt uh, early on, but uh, key guys that were missing from last season and the year before, as in Colin Dola retiring, Shooter retiring, uh, Rob Hellier getting hurt. You know, those are guys you can't replace. And uh, as you can probably tell from from our games, it has been an offense by committee, uh, no matter who's been in the lineup, and everybody's been producing. And uh, that's the testament to, to the to the guys that we brought in and, and to the, the resiliency of some of the guys we brought in that haven't gotten fair shots somewhere else and or guys getting their first shot here and, and uh, stepping up and filling some huge, huge shoes. Now I want to look back and uh, talk a little bit about <clears throat> kind of where you came from, your junior days and whatnot. And uh, growing up playing in Windsor, um, not a massive hotbed of lacrosse necessarily, but some good players have come out of there over the years. Um, growing up, who were the guys that you looked up to locally? Like, who were you looking at and, and kind of learning from and, and hoping to maybe be that guy locally one day? Well, early on it was, uh, you know, I watched the junior team, right? So as a, as a minor, um, you know, the AKO Fratman, what was the junior B team now? Now it's the Clippers, but it was the Fratman at the time. And, you know, I looked up to Jamie Pilon, who was drafted to Brampton, David Hodgins, who's had uh, – who had a college career down down in the states, and uh, those were the guys that I looked up to. They were the the primo guys uh, at the time in in Windsor, and um, that's who you looked up to. And those were those were the 
the two top guys that you wanted to be and who you wanted to play with. And fortunately, I was able to play with both those guys later in their, their junior careers and uh, learned a bunch from them. And then uh, Ron Martinello, um, you know, he's a former pro player himself, went to Maryland. Um, and he was he was in my ear ever since I played junior as a 15 year old and was there for the six years that I was there and he was he was huge in my development it was uh, it was fantastic to, to be able to learn from from a great mind and a, and a great lacrosse family and um, he'd have to be probably the the biggest lacrosse influence that I've had um, in my junior career now when you look back at those guys and those names not a ton of those guys went on to NLL careers as we know it today um, when or at what point did playing in the NLL kind of come on the radar for you growing up in Windsor? Uh, for me, it would have been uh, my second last year. I mean, I've always obviously watched watched the NLL and and watched uh, watched the Toronto Rock, obviously. Um, but uh, you know, when uh, I played against uh, Jimmy Purvis, I uh, played for Sarnia, and he played uh, played a year for Six Nations, I believe, and he ended up getting drafted and. Um, the following year, he, he was it was around. We had a little bit of a preseason tournament. He was talking about it, and I was like, you know what, I could probably do this too. And um, you know, I spent uh, a lot of time in the gym uh, working with our strength team strength coach um, down in Windsor, and um, you know, just focused on on you know not only having a good year, but uh, being physically ready to play at the next level because it would be a big uh, big jump. And fortunately, I was able to have a good year, and you know. <laughs> the rest writes itself, I guess. So we have Jimmy Purvis to thank for all of this. Wow. I did not think we were going there, Brett. I did not think Jimmy Purvis would be the answer to that question, but that's interesting. Uh, so now, uh, you know, this game against Buffalo last Friday night, um, I don't even know where to begin, but it was one of those games where there's not too much to not feel great about um, after that game. The offense bounces back, scores 18 goals. Um, obviously a big division win when you look when you came into that game was there any thought you know back to last year when you're thinking you know the the rock started 0-6 and just how big of a hole that was and did you think how great would it be to put the bandits in that similar type hole and, and you know and I'm you know all joking aside but seriously to to put a team in your own division down you know in an into a one in four hole that early in the season I mean that had to be in the back of your mind a little bit that kind of raised maybe the importance level of that game on Friday. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it at practice, and it's very, you know, the guys uh, in the dressing room are well aware of, of where everybody's at in the standings. I mean, if that game goes another way, Buffalo's 2-3, and three, we're 3-2, three and two, uh, Georgia's 4-1, and one, and uh, New England's 2-3. and three, So then everybody's within one game of each other aside from Georgia. So uh, the importance of that game for us was to distance ourselves from, from the middle of the pack and keep ourselves up the upper echelon with, with Georgia and, uh, you know, really uh, really try and put our stamp on the early part of the season. And uh, being able to do that against Buffalo, obviously, they're uh, – they're, they have the target, right? They they were they were the champions of the East last year, and everybody's going to be ready to play them. And so happens we have a great rivalry against them, and you know the boys are ready to play, and they stepped up, and we were able to get the win. And uh, looking ahead this weekend, going to Calgary, I know uh, you know it's been playing at home a lot here early, three of the first four, and one bus trip down to Rochester. But uh, what can you take from that first real road trip from the from the boys there? And you know it's a good, usually a good bonding experience from. Uh, from a team perspective and like obviously you're going out there looking for the two points but uh, a lot can come from a good early road trip yeah I mean you know early on you get to get to know the guys you know kind of tease and joke with each other a little bit and uh, 
it uh, kind of loosens everybody up. Everybody's pretty tense going into that first game. So, you know, getting uh, getting that first road win was nice. Um, guys are going to be a little bit more familiar going on the road and playing on the road, though it is our first, uh, our first uh, flight uh, road game. Um, guys are familiar, you know, at least for a little bit, being in a, in a, in a road barn. Um, you know, Calgary, um, though the built, building's a little bit louder, much similar to Rochester. The fans kind of seem to be on top of you. So the atmospheres there are kind of similar, very loud. So the guys will be as familiar as they can be uh, with that, and uh, going in it'd be a you know it's a great test for us. It's a great team. Uh, they're you know tops tops of their division with with uh, Saskatchewan, and um, you know it's another another proving point for us. Another another game where we can prove that we're one of the best teams, and that uh, not only we believe it, but maybe the rest of the league will start believing it as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely going to be a great opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of show where this team really is at. It's great to come off that division win and, you you know, get out west, west there, pardon me, and, uh, and look for another two points before a big division game versus Georgia the following week, which should set up pretty nicely, you know, depending if all goes well this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's all about the, the wins in the division, right? Um, obviously, you play teams from the west and all, all games are important, but, uh, you know, those those eastern games end up being, you know, two game differentials right you know you you win one and you gain a step or feel like if you lose one you lose two steps so um you know what we can't we can't look too far ahead we you know we got to take care of business and because at the end of the day you just need wins right so it's uh more important we focus on on calgary this sunday and um you know we'll focus on on georgia um later on next week but uh you know we got to take care of business first before we can really worry about about them and just know that we got to get wins to stay even with them all right, Brett. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. And, of course, the best of luck in Calgary on Sunday afternoon against the Roughnecks at the good old Saddle Dome. Thanks for having me, boys. All right, we'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access. And then when we come back, we will have the assistant coach of the Toronto Rock, Bruce Codd, joining us on the program. Stay with us. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis, and we now welcome into the studio our second guest of the show, Toronto Rock assistant coach Bruce Codd. Welcome to the program, Brucey. Glad to be here. All right, so um, obviously, uh, you know, all roads apparently lead back to Toronto for most people in the end. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about just uh, how things came about here in the off season and how you ended up uh, back with the Toronto Rock now on the bench? Well, it was kind of a funny situation I guess in a lot of ways how it how it worked out um, um, you know obviously when when the, you guys made changes last year uh, um, I know Josh uh, kind of put the bug in my ear at that point that there might be something uh, you know an opportunity down the road and never really thought much more of it and then all of a sudden uh, you know kind of August uh, he picked up the phone and said would you be interested in, in uh, coming to Toronto and, and that's kind of where the discussions uh, came and you know obviously for myself it, it made a lot of sense uh, you know that commute to Calgary was uh, starting to get a little bit long, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, the chance to you know play or uh, coach so close to home, you know, was one that I couldn't pass up. Now, not every player wants to coach when they're done, but uh, a lot of them do. What was it? Uh, when did you get the bug to coach? Actually, I, I started when I was probably about 18 or 19. Um, I got injured one summer, and someone said, "Do you mind coaching the peewee team?" and I uh, did that, that for the first time and really enjoyed it and ever since then I've coached and uh, it was always something I knew I wanted to do after uh, after I was done playing because just uh, the game has meant so much to me and I just wanted to be a part of it. Now jumping on the bench at the pro level as soon as you were done playing was that uh, kind of 
kind of a, a pretty quick adjustment? Uh, were you able to kind of slide right into that role, or did you find that uh, you were still kind of searching to find your legs a little bit in the first uh, early going there? Yeah, it was certainly an adjustment. I mean, uh, you know, uh, when I started, I, I coached in Calgary for that first year, and, you know, I'd had one year uh, remove where I came and played here in Toronto and then went back. So it was kind of a, a bit of an adjustment in terms of uh, a lot of the guys were the guys that I played with. And, uh, you know, that takes some time to, you know, get into used used to seeing you on the other side of the bench and and things like that so there was certainly an adjustment in that period but um you know from an X's and O's standpoint uh, I was surrounded by two great coaches that you know obviously uh, brought me up to speed in a real hurry I think and and gave me a lot of you know mentorship there so uh yeah it was a bit of an adjustment but not not one that I, I didn't think that I couldn't handle so you've had uh, obviously some success at the junior A level coaching with the Northmen and then also at the junior B level this past summer, winning the Founders Cup uh, and doing it at home, which probably made it even that much more special. Talk a little bit about that experience coaching the junior B Northman to the Founders Cup this summer. Yeah, certainly that was uh, you know a, a great accomplishment for those kids. Uh, you know, it was the third year that I uh, jumped on the bench, and uh, you know we kind of targeted that in year one that we figured that we might have a, a group depending on how things played out with the junior A's and that's always what we're at the mercy of and the way it should be um, so we kind of you know figured there was a chance in that window and then obviously uh, we uh, put a host a uh, bid in to host the Founders Cup and we're successful and that just added a little bit more uh, energy to to the team and everything else so uh, it was certainly a special uh, special year in a lot of ways we had a great regular season you know strong playoffs won the Ontario championship and then capped it off at home in front of a you know sold out a arena it was uh, it was definitely special and Bruce you mentioned that uh, that commute to Calgary getting a little long uh, ironically you know this weekend the, the boys are commuting back to Calgary is this a game that you had marked on the calendar you know right from the get-go is this a game that you know obviously you want to win win them all but you know sticks out to you a little more and really want the boys to dig down and find the two points here this weekend and are you going to have some emotions going back to that building Ah, no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, it's just, you know, another it's another game in the schedule, really. You know, I mean, obviously I enjoyed my time in Calgary, and, uh, you know, it, was, it, it holds a lot of special memories for me for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, I just look at it as, you know, this is the game in front of us, and, and we got to get this one to keep, uh, you know, keep pace in the East. So it uh, doesn't hold any extra significance in that sense, no. And so will you be, I guess, coming from there, knowing, uh, you know, being able to set up the D, a little differently being familiar with maybe their systems a little bit more and, and you know being able to adjust to uh, to certain individuals they have and their tendencies and whatnot and being able to relay that to your your defensive group well I think there's certainly you know obviously a, a lot of those guys that you know they have on their offense and defense for that matter are, are guys that were there when I was there for the last four years so yeah there's certainly some little tendencies and things like that that I'm familiar with probably more so than other teams um, in terms of how it'll translate into uh, game plan and thing like that I'm not sure that there's going to be a whole lot that uh, I can do uh, to you know maybe impart uh, some extra wisdom or anything like that on the guys this weekend but uh, I think there is some some little I guess you know things that you just familiar you're, that you're familiar with them have you noticed that they're doing anything particularly different than they were a year ago no not really I mean I watched the game the other night and uh, you know they had a great game plan going I think for three quarters and kind of let it slip away a little bit against a very good obviously uh, Saskatchewan rush team and uh, so you saw a lot of the same, you know, familiar things. But you know, one thing I know about Kurt Miloski, he doesn't uh, he doesn't stand idle for too long. He makes a lot of adjustments, and you know, and whether it be you know through uh, throughout the season or even in game. So uh, if, you know, we'll have to be ready for for some different things for sure. 
Now you got to watch uh, Curtis Dixon do a lot of great things offensively uh, on your own side there. Now you're going to have to stop him. How do you stop a guy like that who can literally take over a game? Well, first and foremost, you know, you got to try and get some specific matchups on him. I think he, he's just such a great athlete and so uh, so tough a check one-on-one. It's going to be important that we try and, you know, make sure we're aware he is on the floor every single time because he can turn something into into nothing or nothing into something in a real hurry. And uh, so it'll be, a, you know, we'll have to be focused on where he is. But, um, you know, we'll have to – we'll just have to be, you know uh, – committed to helping each other because he's about as tough a check as there is one-on-one in the league now shifting back to the rock side of things uh you know we've talked a lot about uh, your junior experience uh coaching there's a lot of guys that you're coaching right now that are well one of them still in junior uh <laughs> and a lot of guys who are just out of junior do you think that's maybe helped a little bit are you noticing that you're kind of uh you know almost coaching these guys and being able to handle them a little bit maybe like junior players in, in some regards and that uh you know they're coming right from what you've just been coaching well in some ways i mean there's certainly some guys that you're familiar with from your time in junior in different places and um that's always you know you build a connection and a rapport you know and that kind of carries over i think into the nll but in terms of treating them like juniors i don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> the case they're they're growing men now and and you know want to be treated like that so you do adjust your styles a little bit but i think the you know the fact that you have some previous bonds and some connections it definitely helps and what's that learning curve been like for those guys that are just stepping into this league for the first time this year oh i think uh you know I, obviously it's a big jump no matter you know if you're an elite player at the junior level you know there's still a a, a pretty significant jump to the nll so um i think a lot of them are handling it well and and uh um you know to be expected there's going to be some you know ups and downs throughout the season but for the most part i think most of the guys are adjusting well are you surprised at all that there hasn't been many downs here so far this year? You know, I mean, you look at the preseason, things went uh, pretty well, as good as can be expected. You get the wins, which, you know, we've all talked about are not the most important things, but lots of good signs there. And then realistically, even in the game that the team lost, the D only gave up nine goals. So you, you kind of have to be a little bit happy with that as well, even even in a loss that you were able to limit a team to only nine goals. But uh, overall, you know, surprised that uh, so far things have gone so well with a young group? I think in, in some senses, yes. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, were certainly uh, our expectations probably uh, weren't quite as high as what they've played at, and that's a good thing. And obviously that'll be our challenge to keep that moving forward, keep, you know, uh, making strides, uh, you know, individually and as a team. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised where we're at, I guess I'd say. I should say I'd be, um, you know, shocked that we're here. I think we've put in a lot of work and done a lot of teaching, and the guys have been re- very receptive to, to, to the coaches. And, and, and we've got some good veteran leadership that's uh, kind of showed them the way it's done too. So um, it, it's definitely uh, maybe not what we expected in some ways, but in other ways, yeah, I think we're, you know, we, we've it. earned it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll definitely yeah. take it. And one of those uh, younger guys that, uh, you know, Mike was just kind of mentioning, Latrell Harris, I believe 18 years old. It's kind of rare for an 18-year-old to step right into the league. And I, I was reading a, a quote from an article out in St. Catharines last week, I believe, that he was just saying less is more. He's just learning the game, keeping it simple. If you could just touch on him, uh, his career early here and kind of how much he's surprised you or we expected this or just what he's kind of brought to the table early. Oh, he's been phenomenal. I mean, uh, you know, going back to the game against Rochester where we kind of had an off night, he was the one guy I thought that, you know, was probably our best player on the floor. And, um, you know, going to the first game in Rochester, he was all over it too. And 
Um, what's so surprising for me is just how strong he is at 18. I mean, it's going to be scary when he's 28 years old what he's going to do to people because he's picked up some big, strong guys and directed them where he's wanted them to go, which not a lot of people can do. So that part of me, or that part of it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's scary, I think. Uh, but, you know, he's he's been, again, one of those guys that's really been a attention to detail kind of guy. He comes and, you know, you, you, you mentioned something to him. He always nods his head yes and tries it. And, you know, he's really worked at it. And obviously you can see he's got some, some uh, you know, natural gifts that, that he's, he's learned to, to use. And, um, you know, that'll be one of his strengths going forward too. Yeah, no, for sure. He's definitely, uh, you know, been a, I can't say a surprise. I mean, I, I didn't really follow his junior career, but uh, it's a standout to me in, in a positive way moving forward. Um, and for a guy like that, if you could just touch quickly too on how important, you know, having a guy like Brody Merrill in the room is, uh, an older guy, been around the league, wearing the C, uh, just, you know, has that aura to him when he walks in a room and steps on the floor and kind of what he means to, to a younger guy like Latrell. Oh, I mean, you just watch Brody. He leads by example. You know, he's always in, you know, one of the top shapes, if not the top shape on the team coming into camp, um, works his butt off every night at practice, shoot arounds. You know, he just is a consummate pro in my mind. Like, he just does everything right all the time. And uh, obviously, uh, he wants to wants to win, too, and that shines through. And I think that rubs off on people, and I think it's rubbed off on our guys early, especially, you know, our young guys like Latrell and, and Challen and different guys like that. All right, and then uh, just quickly to wrap up here, Bruce, uh, looking forward or dialing back into this game against the Calgary Roughnecks on Sunday afternoon. Uh, just what uh, what is going to be the uh, the difference maker here on Sunday between these two teams? Well, I think, uh, you know, one thing with, with Calgary, they've always got very good special teams. So I think, we're, you know, we're, our target should be probably to play five on five as much as we can. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that could could factor into it. I mean, obviously, goaltending is always always key, and uh, you know, two good goalies going again this weekend. So, um, but yeah, I think you know, playing five on five and playing smart and disciplined, and you know, that'll uh, obviously uh, help us give us a better chance to win. Okay, Brucey. Well, thanks a lot for uh, taking a couple of moments here before practice to join us on the show, and I'm sure we'll do this again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Bruce Cod, the assistant coach of the Toronto Rock. Kyle Davis and Mike Hancock here on Toronto Rock Total Access. We'll take a short break and we'll be back with more in a moment. Like the legend of the Phoenix Ends with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We're in the home stretch here on the program and We'll, uh, we'll quickly chat a little bit more about uh, Friday's game. And when we look at the East Division standings, obviously things sorting themselves out a little bit maybe here in the early going. Some teams have some work to do. Some teams have a little more breathing room. One team that definitely has some work to do is the Buffalo Bandits. They sit at 1-4. and four. If you're Buffalo Bandits general manager Steve Dietrich, what are you doing to fix things here at 1-4? and four? Uh, well, they're in a tough spot. Like we said, it's uh, every week so so big in this league, and being one and four, dropping uh, you know division game to Toronto there behind the eight ball with them currently, they do have quite an up- uphill climb. Uh, I, I I mean I don't really know if like how much roster personnel he he'll be wanting to change. Just a lot of the returning core that went to the finals last year, saying that uh, it's definitely not working this year. I mean, just to touch base from this past week's game, I thought. Uh, you know, neither goaltender was too great for, for them. Both goaltenders getting into action and, you know, giving up a combined 18 goals. 
maybe something they would look at is a guy like Zach Higgins. Uh, he, you know, he's got some history in the league. He can, he's pr- proven this year, he can come off a bench with Calgary there one game and and at least stop the bleeding, or at least you know, you know, let his chance, ha- let his team have a chance to win. He's playing down in the uh, the all league there, and uh, that might be an option. But other than that, I think you need to get a little more out of you know your top guys up front and. Even the D giving up 18 goals, you're not going to beat anyone with that. Even the one win they do have, they gave up 15. It just happens to play the worst defensive team in Vancouver. <laughs> but there you go. You were pretty politically correct through all that, and then you threw it. You threw the first shot at Whoa. the end against Vancouver. Whoa. But I got to agree, and I think Vancouver almost falls into that same boat. Is do they make a call to Zach Higgins? I feel like he could quite possibly become the the hottest free agent out there in a guy that does have some proven minutes in this league, like you said. And I have to think, you know, Buffalo's got to be sitting there. And, and Steve Dietrich's a former goaltender, so um, I don't know if that helps you or hurts you. If you're very loyal to your guys, I mean, then Anthony Cosmo, you're probably going to run him out there again. If you're not so loyal, or, or maybe, you've, maybe loyal is probably the wrong thing to say, but if you've realized... I got to make a change here. Maybe you just say, David DeRuggio, you're my guy here now. Um, we're running with you. And even then, you know, do you say that maybe you need somebody else coming off the bench now instead of Cosmo? So that is going to be an interesting situation to watch here over the next coming weeks because at some point they're going to have to do something. You can't, if you're losing, you've got to, you've got to change something. I mean, even when teams are winning, they change something, right, to try to stay sharp. Um, but at some point here they're going to have to do something and offensively you look at them as well from their left side I don't know how much production that they're getting really I mean you've got Benesh who's always going to be there but then after that you know Mitch Jones has been you know providing some decent secondary scoring but Daryl Veltman has struggled so far so you know what what else are you going to get out of that side and you think about how good they were last year uh, Banesh and Dane Smith were going pretty well every game. And it wasn't, you know, they were 10-point guys almost regularly, you know, in that range. If they don't have that every game, they're going to struggle, obviously, looking at their offense right now. And that's something that, you know, how do you address that midseason? That's a very, very tough thing to address, I think. So a lot of change is probably going to have to just come internally with guys showing up and, um, some interesting quotes coming out of that game, too. I don't know how much of it you read afterwards, but uh, just some of the things Coach Roy Cordingley was saying about his team. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting situation to track here along the ways. Uh, you know, and then after that, you've got Rochester and New England uh, trying to straighten things out as well, and they look like, uh, you know, it's uh, a situation there where I think things are going to get, uh, you know, very tight. I mean, this East Division, with five teams in it and only three making the playoffs, there's going to be some very interesting storylines to track for sure. Um, I don't know if you got any other thoughts on Buffalo and what you think may happen there, but outside of you know fixing the goaltending, I don't think you're going to be able to find you know four or five new defenders or two or three new old guys. Not saying that any team in particular needs to go that deep in terms of a, a retool, especially a month into the season, but fixing goaltending or one thing here or there is probably the the easiest thing to do at this point in the season and uh you know vancouver may very well find themselves in a similar situation to that here in the coming weeks if they're not able to uh, get things rolling after winning the first couple of games and now sitting at two and four no for sure and 
I mean, typically in sports, it's uh, it's a lot harder to change the, the personnel roster-wise in season than, than the off-season where you can maybe make that big trade or sign a big free agent and whatnot. And uh, n- no speculation by any means here. Uh, I'm just saying if, if it continues down the path it is um, and history is shown in sports, typically, you know, the coach is the one to get the ax first. Uh, is that right or wrong? I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying. Typically the players seem to, to get off the hook a little easier just because it's harder to. You're not going to trade your whole team. Uh, saying that, you know, it does give does wake up some eyes a bit in the dressing room, maybe does spark the team, but depending when when this happens, uh, you know, it could be too little too late. And again, I'm not saying, you know, Troy would be is on is on the bubble right now by any means, but uh, we're just talking about different ways that they could maybe find a spark within that locker room. Yeah, and I mean, you have to say the same thing at West with Jamie Batley. I mean, he could find himself very well in the same position. You know, he walked in as a midseason replacement, Last year, there could be a situation unfolding there. So these next couple of weeks are going to be um, maybe a very good uh, segue into our next segment here. But you know, are you are you buying what your coach is is uh, is bringing, or is it time to sell and get a new guy in the loop? So this is a new segment that we're going to try out here. We're going to run through this. It's basically, are we buying what's going on here, or are we selling it? So we're going to start with Corey Small who right now is the leading scorer in the National Lacrosse League, something that probably not too many people had on their uh, preseason prop bet last year that uh, Corey Small would be the guy leading the league in scoring through six games. He's got 44 points for the Vancouver Stealth. Are you buying or selling Corey Small right now? I mean, right now you can't can't really disregard that he's leading the league in points but I am going to uh, overall here going to be selling Corey Small um, I know him and, and Reese Dutch have a good thing going on out there right now uh, individually but personally I'm not buying Vancouver as a team which I think could damage his overall production you know as the year goes on um, also to you look back Saskatchewan while they were building the powerhouse teams or Edmonton at the time uh, they had Corey Small in the mix did they not and uh they decided to part ways with him, um, and it didn't work out there. So obviously they saw some, I mean, I don't know what was happening behind the scenes or anything, but they saw something that they were selling as well and ended up putting him on the market in a trade. And uh, I just think over the course of the season, he will not be leading the leading the league in points, um, but he you know, could very well keep it up and have a great season nonetheless. So I think I'm going to know the answer to the next one here, but uh, the Buffalo Bandits, they are 1-4. Do you think they're bouncing back? Or is this what we're going to see for the Buffalo Bandits? Are you buying or selling? Again, don't want to be uh, in, totally in the negative mindset today here, but I am selling the Buffalo Bandits uh, for some of the reasons that we just talked about previously. Also, too, I think just the hole they're putting themselves into here, it's going to be tough to come back. Uh, you know, three only three of the five teams make the playoffs, so they have to jump you know three teams right now to get back into that third spot or two teams to get back into that third spot Toronto looks to be you know moving in the right direction and that's quite the swing to catch them so it really only gives them two teams to catch we mentioned the goaltending issues early with them this year and uh, the lack of offense so far in their season so I'm going to be selling the Buffalo Bandits so that brings us to the three and one Toronto Rock Kyle Davis are you are you buying or selling what's going on here? So far, I yeah, I, I am buying what's going on here in Toronto. Uh, I mean, they, they've surprised, I think, the league. I know internally, 
um, you know, they have a confidence among themselves. I know Coach Maddie has a confidence in them, but uh, from what I've seen and, and heard from guys on the show here, uh, everyone is full on on board for what's going on here. And uh, I, you know, I think Maddie's got and the coaching staff. You know, Bruce Blaine, Patty Campbell as well has them going in the right direction. The transition game seems to be back, which was lacking a bit last year. They're they're energetic, they're fun to watch, and you know, with respect to the the Rochester game, they've been the offense has been clicking fairly well. And, I don't see why it would stop. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. And, you know, of course, we're going to be pro Toronto Rock on this show. However, um, in all seriousness, these games that the Rock have played this year have been more fun and entertaining to watch than the teams in the, in the last few years. And that's no knock against players, coaches, anything in the past. It's just, to me, it's just the pure fact on the floor. I mean, this team is, like you say, they're young, they're fast, they're just exciting to watch. And there are great storylines around this team this year, which is also a great thing. I mean, you've got, you know, our previous guest here on the program, Brett Hickey, um, there's a guy bouncing back, trying to have a big season, but we've talked so much about Tom Schreiber, which is an awesome storyline. You've got Mikey McDonald, who you know could have been a higher draft pick a couple of years ago, but is now getting a real true shot here with the Rock. Uh, you know Nick Rose emerging as one of the best goaltenders in the league. Brody Merrill, we've barely even talked about him yet. He's been great in almost every game so far this year for the Rock. He's been piling up the loose balls. And, you know, you've got Latrell Harris, an 18-year-old. There's just the storylines here go on and on. You've got Challen Rogers, second overall pick. Another guy we haven't really talked a lot about, but there's a guy who, again, is just getting his feet wet in the NLL. Dan Lintner comes back after sitting out and scores three goals. Uh, it, on and on, there are so many great storylines with this team right now. It's just uh, it's a really fun time, I think, to be a Toronto Rock fan and to uh, to be supporting this team and, you know, we say it from the business side and, and whatnot, but, you know, get a ticket, get down to Air Canada Centre. The next time you can do so is February the 17th. It's bobblehead night. First 5,000 fans in the rink get one, and uh, it, there's no reason not not to be there, I think, on the 17th. I mean, it, it's going to be a great one. Yeah, no, for sure. And, like, we've talked about how, how good Nick Rose has been this year and last year, and uh, I don't know if we're spilling who the bobblehead is or not or – but, uh, you know, he could come down, like like Mike said there, the first 5,000 will maybe be getting a Nick Rose bobblehead. And uh, I've seen it here in, in the office, and it is quite the piece. And uh, all collectors will want it. All diehard Toronto Rock fans will want it. There's still great tickets available uh, on torontorock.com or just call in the office at 416-596-3075, and we'll be uh, more than happy to get you set up. All right, so that uh, in a roundabout way wraps up. Are you buying or are you selling? Which means we're going to get on to our uh, last little segment of the program here. Short-term, long-term trade. There's three guys we're going to – we're each going to give our our thoughts on each of these guys, whether we're signing them short-term, long-term, or whether we think we're trading them and or they're going to stay where they are now, which is the practice roster. So we've – Taking a shot at three guys right now who are sitting on practice rosters and for various reasons. So we've got Quinn Paulus in Rochester, Connor Brown in New England, and the voice of the swarm, Drew Petkoff in Georgia, which is an interesting situation on its own. So KD, short-term, long-term trade, who are you going with? Just going down the uh, the list there in the order you mentioned, I'm going to... 
long term, I'm taking Quinn Paulus. Um, you know, we were looking at his stats earlier. He's got a couple goals this year. He's been in, been in a couple games, five goals on the season already. He put up, uh, I think it was 15 points with Brampton last year in, in just a handful of games in, in the major circuit. Um, so he is showing he can produce at, at the higher level there. Uh, I think Rochester made a decision internally to go younger overall. Uh, I mean, like I said, he's been in and out so far, but I think he could get a get a good look and, and be able to continue his growth in the league to keep long-term. Short-term, I'm going to go the next individual on the list, Connor Brown. Uh, I know he put up some huge numbers in junior. Um, you know, he was... But got cut from Vancouver, I believe, this year. It wasn't the right fit for whatever reason, but uh, has now found a home in New England. I think he, uh, you know, played in the OHL as well. Shows he can play high competitive sports at a high level. Um, but I think he'd be a good guy to to still sit on short term in hopes that he could, uh, you know, continue his growth and emerge in the league at a at a higher level. Lastly, that would leave me trading Drew Peckoff. I just feel he's been been around in the league a little bit more, you know, more of a veteran guy and compared to the other two age-wise. Um, bounced around a couple teams and just can't seem to stick. Um, on an active roster, like you said, they got him doing uh, you know, the voice of the Georgia Swarm over there. Um, I'm not sure how that came apart, but uh, have to play the game and I'd be, uh, be trading Drew Peckoff. Well, my uh, my short-term, long-term trade, I'm going to start with uh, short-term. I'm actually going to short-term Quinn Paulus. I think he's got uh, – I think he's still got, obviously, a lot of upside, and he's proven that he can play in this league. Like we've said, he's played three games, got five goals, scored two against Toronto um, in the season opener back on December the 29th. Uh, a righty-O guy that I think has got uh, some potential to score goals – but may end up having to wait a little bit in terms of getting his break because in Rochester he's got uh, quite a few guys ahead of him right now on that right side. So I'm going to go short-term with him. Long-term, I'm going to go Connor Brown because I think he's more of a long-term project. I guess that's going to be my reasoning there is that uh, he did play mostly Junior B throughout his uh, junior career. He did have a great Junior A season uh, three years ago, I guess now, in Orangeville. He led the team in scoring, um, had a little bit of action up with the Brampton Junior A's over the last couple of years as well. But like you said, he's a guy who I think he's just got to find the right home. So might have to hold on to him a little bit longer just to find out where he's going to fit in. Like you said, Vancouver, he did play for Buffalo even in an exhibition game here against the Rocks, scored a couple of goals. Um, I just think he's got a, a different type of game than probably a lot of guys really do that are playing in the NLL right now. So as soon as I think somebody can give him a little bit of a shot to uh, maybe find his way at the pro level, I think he could develop into something pretty decent. It was a very high draft pick, actually, the major series draft. I think went second overall to Brampton recently as well. So um, he's a guy to probably keep your eye on a little bit. Lastly, one of my actual favorite guys that's come through Toronto, Drew Petkoff, I'd have to say, unfortunately, trade slash he might be staying on the practice roster for a while. A guy who showed so much promise, I think, in his early part of his career here in Toronto and was uh, pretty good for Brampton in the summer as well and ran into some injuries that I think kind of took him off track a little bit, kind of got things back on track, 
is really one of the best ambassadors for the game, has done some great work down in Georgia, uh, helping to sell the game down there and working with their youth program. So, um, like we say, you got to play the cards you're dealt in this game. And unfortunately, I'd, I'd have to let go of Drew Petkoff in this situation, but there's a guy who I think still could be, for someone, I still think he's a tradable asset. He could be he could be a usable piece for somebody out there in some capacity uh, down the road, especially if somebody runs into some injury problems and hey, maybe he even finds his way back in in Georgia. So that brings to a close our latest run of short-term, long-term trade. All right, so that'll uh, <clears throat> just about wrap things up on the program here as well. We have to thank our guests, Brett Hickey and Bruce Codd, for dropping by. And uh, before we go, we do have to give out our predictions on the game this Sunday, the Calgary Roughnecks and the Toronto Rock. You can watch the game on NLLTV.com at 4 o'clock Eastern. It's a 2 o'clock local start time in Calgary. Your thoughts, who will win this game and what's the score going to be? I think uh, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Just looking at Calgary's, you know, top, they're, they're top-heavy offensively with, uh, you know, five guys, 19 points or higher. Um, but I do think Toronto's going to come out on top. I, I was buying Toronto earlier, and I think they're going to keep rolling. Put after that 18 spot, uh, the previous game there, I'm going to go 15-12 Toronto. Wow, all right. So another high-scoring one. i got to agree. I think it is going to be, for whatever reason, goals – seem to be uh, a plenty in that building usually. I don't think Toronto gets to 18 again, but I'm going to say I'm going to say this is going to be a high score. I'm going to say did you say 15-12? 15-12. I'm going to go 16-14 Toronto. A little closer, a little higher scoring. 16-14 is my call. All right. So as usual, we both pick Toronto to win. Shocking. All right, uh, that'll be wrap things up on the show. Unless you got any last minute ticket plugs or anything you want to throw in there, KD. No, once again, well, just you know, make sure to come on down. It's been uh, been a good start to the year. The crowd's been uh, re- very good. Uh, we're happy with the direction the team's going. You know, on on the field for sure and off the field. And uh, once again, Nick Rose bobblehead night. Two Fridays from now, Friday the seventeenth. Come on down, TorontoRock.com or four one six five nine six three zero seven five, and we'll be more than happy to get you all set up in in the building. All right, so that'll be wrap things up on the program. For Kyle Davis, I am Mike Hancock. Saying in the meantime and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is in the bag. We'll chat next week. Be sure to follow the Toronto Rock on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Toronto Rock Lax. That's at Toronto Rock LAX. Like us on Facebook at Toronto Rock as well. Follow us on Instagram at the Toronto Rock. Stop the rock, can't stop the rock, can't stop the rock.